0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Proverbs chapter 25. Welcome to all of our visitors today. We're so glad you're with us. Let's give our visitors a good round of applause. Thank you so much for being here. You visitors fill in for all of our people that are on vacations this time of year, so that's wonderful. One verse of scripture this morning, Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 11, and I hope you get this in your heart today. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Can you picture that? A picture that's in silver with golden apples. Apples of gold, pictures of silver. I appreciate our ladies' ministry. They have apples of gold. <laughs> Amen. But today, I'm going to preach to you for a few minutes on the power Of encouragement every now and then we need a good kick in the pants or skirt but every now and then we need encouragement too and today I get to preach what I want to preach I get to preach encouragement today praise God And about two weeks ago, Brother Dredska and I had a breakfast, and he said, do we still have the courage to encourage? When he said that, it just resonated, and I've been working on this for two weeks, so I get to deliver it today. I want you to leave here today like you're on cloud nine. Like God spoke to you, like you're encouraged You're ready to take on every devil, the world, whatever life throws at you, because you're encouraged in Jesus Christ. Amen. The power of encouragement. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua has a tough act to follow. Moses is the deliverer perhaps the greatest leader that Israel has ever had, but his time is up. And now Joshua is about to step in. That's a tough act to follow. And here's what God says to Joshua. Verse five of Joshua one. There will not be any man that'll be able to stand before thee all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Isn't that encouraging? That's encouraging. So be strong and of good courage. For unto this people you will divide for an inheritance the land which I swear on their fathers to give them. Only I remind you again be strong and very courageous. Do you know what people want in a leader? lots of things, but one of them the things they want is they want somebody that's strong and courageous. They're not afraid. They've heard from God. They declare what God says. They're not afraid. Teach them to observe according to all the law which Moses, my my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from the right hand to the left that thou mayest prosper whither you goest. And this is what the people said to Joshua. That's what God said, but listen to what the people said and compare it to what God had told Joshua. All, this is verse 16, that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. You know, that's what every leader wants to hear. Whatever you say, that's what we'll do. Wherever you tell us to go, that's where we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. But here's a but. They use the word only. But it's the word but. But the Lord be with thee as he was with Moses. And whosoever is he that rebels against your commandment and will not hearken unto your words and all that you command him, he shall be put to death. But be strong and of good courage. What does God want from you? Be strong and of good courage. What do people want from you? Be strong and of good courage and obey all that God requires of you. All that God requires of you. Sometimes we suffer from discouragement. If you take the word, I'm going to ask you to try and picture this. If you take the word courage and you put a prefix or a suffix. A prefix goes to the beginning of the word, a suffix goes to the end of the word. You can completely change the word. Example, if we take the word courage and we put dis in front of it, now we have discourage. If we take discourage and put a suffix m-e-n-t on the end of it it means that we have been discouraged for an extended period of time we are suffering from discouragement everything changes by what you put on the front or the back of the word courage now there have been many times in your life no doubt that you have been disappointed There may even be times where you have been discouraged. People will discourage you. People will not live up to your expectations. It's not that they're bad, it's that they're human. Don't make human idols. Real important, you get that folks. Because you're gonna get disappointed with people. I have known of congregations that have dissolved because the leader fell. They were so disappointed and so discouraged because they thought that this person was right next to God. We are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We are. And men and women will fail. But Jesus never fails. He never forsakes. He never disappoints. He always keeps his appointments. He keeps his appointments. So don't be discouraged by people. Put your hope and your faith in God. The preaching of the word. The body of Christ. The spirit of the living God. Let me give you some encouragement. This is what the word says. I can do all things. Through Christ, which? Where's the source of my strength? Christ. The name of the Lord is a strong and a mighty tower and the righteous run into it and they are safe. The Lord is my refuge and my strength. I shall not fear what man can do unto me. Everything needs, all of our stock needs to be put in Jesus. He's the encourager. He's the lifter up of our heads. Now let me give you some examples of the power, the power of encouragement. And um, I'm gonna give, here's what I've decided. I decided this on my walk today. Rather than read so much scripture to you, I'm gonna tell you where this is and I'm gonna tell you the story. And if you think I'm lying to you, you can read it later on. First Corinthians chapter 17 talks about, it talks about a giant that has an entire nation in fear. His name is Goliath. And along comes this young man, I don't know if he was seven or 17, but he was not a man, he was was young. He was referred to as a boy, a youth. And this youth comes along and sees what's happening with Israel and with Goliath, and he says, this isn't right. Is there not a cause? Somebody needs to stand up to this guy. Because he's defied the armies of Israel and the God that they serve. And so he is allowed to get an audience, I don't know how, but somehow he got an audience with the king of Israel, the king named Saul, who was head and shoulders above all men in Israel. And he goes to the king and says, king, I'm willing to go fight the giant. I'm going to take him on. And Saul immediately brings him the opportunity for discouragement. You, you're just a little pipsqueak. You're not even a man. You, where's your armor? What's your history in fighting an experienced warrior like Goliath? You wouldn't stand a chance. And you know what? David would not accept discouragement. Ho, 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 wait a minute, Saul. Let me tell you, let me give you a history lesson in my life. My father trusts me with the sheep. And while I'm out singing and taking care of the sheep, one day a lion came. You know what? I killed that old lion finished him off it was no problem because God gave me the strength to protect the sheep and Saul reared back and said really you killed a lion you that little guy you killed a lion yeah I killed a lion he said you like to hear that let me give you some more encouragement about my ability with God another time there came a bear now he tells his Daniel Boone story Pulls out the Daniel Boone story. When he was just a lad, he killed a bear. Yeah, I killed that bear. I grabbed him by his beard and I, I slew that bear. And I want you to know, all the while, he is encouraging. That's what he's doing. He is encouraging Saul and saying, hey, if God used me to kill a lion, and if God used me to kill a bear, this Philistine ain't no different than any of them. It's God, it's not me. It doesn't matter if it's a giant, a dragon, a lion, it doesn't matter. If God anoints me, I can kill this guy. And I believe that God is gonna use me to destroy Goliath. I'll do to him the same thing I did to the lion and the bear. The power of encouragement from David to Saul caused him to go against his better judgment. And he said, all right, David. Nobody else is willing to do it. And David slew the giant. Or what about the time that that the children of Israel failed to protect the city. Let's talk about David a little more. The time that David failed to protect Ziglag, and the enemy came in and captured their wives and their children and and burned down their city. And when they saw the smoke ascending and they got to the city and all all that they valued had either been destroyed or taken, they wept for a good long period of time. And when they got done weeping and crying at their great loss, All of a sudden, they got angry. And their anger was directed toward their leadership. They needed a point to attack. And they came against David. You can read about it. It's right here in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6. And David was greatly distressed that doesn't sound like encouragement. See the dis? He was stressed, distressed. For the people spake of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But notice this, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. A picture, again, put yourself in David's position here. He thought he was doing God's will. Nobody advised him any differently. But when things went south, and when there was a loss, everybody turns on David. Nobody says, yeah, you know, maybe we handled this wrong. No, David, you're responsible. And you know what we're gonna do about it? We're gonna kill you. We're gonna gather up stones, and we're gonna stone you to death. It's all 600 men against one. All of them offering discouragement. Nobody offers David encouragement. So you know what David does? He encourages himself. I remember a a period in my life where I was under an awful lot of stress. I was at a youth camp. I just happened to come through for one service. And I came through and I got toward the middle of the service, I can't even tell you what the preacher was preaching, but I'll never forget the altar call. At the altar call, the preacher invited all the youth, excuse me, the youth camp came forward, all of them, all of them, I didn't see one kid in a pew. And they were all up there and they were praying with one another and they were having a great altar service and I thought, boy, this guy really got his point across. He's He's a successful preacher. And he grabbed the microphone and he said, stop. He stopped what God was doing. He felt he had a word. And this is what he said. I'm so glad that all of you care about each other so much that you will encourage one another and help one another and pray with one another. But I want to ask you a sobering question. What will happen when you go home? and the first time that there's nobody there to pray with you, and you're all alone, what will you do then? He said, you're real good at taking your hand and putting it on somebody's head and praying for them. Let me tell you what to do when you're all alone and you feel that the whole world is coming against you. Take the same hand and put it on your own head. And take the other hand and put it over your own heart. And encourage yourself and pray for yourself. If God can use you to pray and bless other people, God can use you to pray and bless yourself. Same hands. Same encouragement. But bring that encouragement to your own life. And I've never, never forgotten that. And that's exactly what David did. And after David, and let me tell you what I think the encouragement was. I think he gave himself a history lesson. Here's how you can encourage yourself with words. I've been through this before. I've had tough times financially before, but I'm still standing. I still got a place to live. I'm still eating. I'm still warm. I've still got clothing and shelter. My wife still loves me. My family loves me. I've been through this before and God has brought me through numerous times. And it might look pretty dark right now, but I trust God that he will be faithful. Never leave me nor forsake me. No, not to the end of the world. That's how you begin to encourage yourself. You've been through tough times, but give yourself some history lessons. I've killed a lion. I've killed a bear. I killed a giant. I had 600 men against me, but when I went to God and I said, God, what do you want me to do next? He said, pursue your enemy, overtake your enemy, and recover all that your enemy has taken from you. And when he did what God asked him to do, he ended up with a spoil. He ended up with more than he had had before all because he was able to encourage himself in the Lord. Let me give you another example. I wanna tell you a story from Acts chapter 27. And again, you can read this story on your own. But here's the story. Paul has appealed to Caesar and he's headed for Rome, but it's fall and it's real close to winter. And so he gets together with the captain of the ship, with the centurion who is in charge of 266 men that are on this ship, and he says, guys, I wanna warn you. it's late, we are headed for winter. I believe that we are making a mistake and that there will be great harm and great loss if we don't winter in the harbor that we're at. Let's just wait for the winter to get through and then we'll proceed to Rome. Now the centurion looks at the captain. The captain says, hold on. You are not the captain of this ship. I am. I know the weather. I know the tides. I have captained this ship for many, many years. And I say, Paul is wrong and we should proceed immediately. What he didn't say to the centurion was, I don't want to lose the price of 266 people on my boat. I don't want a winner here. If we stay here, I'm not collecting any money. Let's go. So the centurion looks at Paul and then he looks at the captain and he makes a decision based upon what he can see with his natural eyes and what he thinks is good sense. The captain knows the sea and the captain knows the weather. And he says, I will go with the captain's decision. They get out on the sea and these terrible winter storms catch them. 14 days they never even see the sun. They've run out of food. The ship is taken on a lot of water. They're throwing everything that they can off of the ship to try and just keep it afloat. They feel that they are all going to be lost at sea. But one night, an angel appears. Because you see, there's one guy on this ship that has the anointing of God on his life. And that anointing requires him to appear before Caesar so God is not letting this ship go down. And the angel appears to Saul and says, you go tell them that they are not going down and that they should be of good cheer. That they should stay on the ship. So Paul goes to the captain of the centurion and he says, Well, I warned you. I told you you should have never left the harbor. But now that you have, we have suffered greatly. But let me offer you encouragement. Boy, we could sure use some encouragement. We have felt for days like we are all going to die in this sea. And this is what he says. The angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve, has appeared to me and told me that nobody will be lost on this ship. But the ship will be lost. So stay on the ship and be of good cheer, because I believe it will be as God has said. That's the most encouraging word they've heard in weeks. And they take encouragement in it. Now they're willing to listen, whereas they weren't willing to listen earlier. But Saul look, or excuse me, Paul looks, and here's some guys off to the side and they're over by the lifeboats. A group of them have decided they're not going to trust what Paul said. They're going to get on these lifeboats and cut them loose and get into the sea and, and make for land as best they can. They're not staying on the ship. But Paul sees them. And he said, I see those guys over there. You better tell them this. If they get in those lifeboats, all bets are off for them. The only way you can be saved is if you stay in the ship. Is anybody going to preach with me today? I've seen people, when times went tough, when times have been difficult even in the church, head for the lifeboats. Let's bail out right now. There's a better opportunity over here. This guy's got this going. This is more exciting than what I'm experiencing here. They head for the lifeboats. They get out in the sea and they're drowned. They're swallowed up. They die spiritually because they refuse to stay on the ship. You gotta stay in the ship, folks. Somebody ought to be able to say amen. You gotta stay in the ship. You might think it's going down, but Jesus is on this ship. This is his ship, okay? It ain't going down. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never fail you, he says. We need to remember the encouragement that God has given us so many times before. Stay on board. Stay on board. Let me show you what happens here. I will show you this much. Take a look here at verse 32. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and they let her fall off. These guys made a good choice. And the conclusion of this chapter is verse 44. And the rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship, and so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Everybody that stayed on board. You might have only had a little piece of wood to hold on to. But we made it. We got to the other shore. We were saved because we heeded to the power of encouragement. One man encouraged 266, and all were saved. Now, let me lighten it up for you, because I've been pretty aggressive here. You know, I remember watching a movie, and it seemed to always come out in the fall. It was called The Wizard of Oz. Some of you might have seen it. There was this one character, this lion. A lion without courage. Remember? He was timid. He got slapped in the nose by a little girl and he started crying like a baby. What is your problem? I don't have any courage. I'm afraid of everything. You're the king of the jungle. Look at your paws. If we had a mirror, look at your teeth. Look at your size and your speed and, and your strength. Why would you be a coward? Until, now I'm not promoting wizards. Don't, don't discard my message. Don't be so foolish, okay? Don't be foolish. But this guy who professes to be a wizard who's just the average guy, that's all he was, just the average guy, encouraged a cowardly lion and turned him into a lion again. I'm trying to do the same with you. There's gonna be times when you don't feel you have any courage But you need to remember who you are and the name that you bear. You are a child of the king. You are a prince. You are a princess. God's not gonna let anything happen to his bride or his kids. Are you kidding me? He said it would be better for a millstone to be hanged around your neck than to offend one of his little ones. Sounds to me like a lion. Sounds to me like somebody that loves his people. Sounds to me like somebody that'll go to bat and will always be there and take care of the ones he loves. Can I get an amen? amen. You should be encouraged in who you are and stand up and square your shoulders. Oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the king and his royal blood now flows through my veins and I who was wretched and blind now can sing. Praise God, praise God I'm a child of a king. Child of a king. I know who I am, I know in whom I believe and I believe he is able to keep me against that day. Don't need any cowardly lions. I'll tell you one thing that bothers me. Here's my vent. And it and it comes actually from the story of Paul. I'm bothered by people that won't listen. I'll be the first to tell you I don't have all the answers. You can come to my office anytime you want, make an appointment with me, I'll be glad to talk with you. You can tell me your problem, you can ask me to pray with you, you can ask me for advice, but if I don't have the answer, I will tell you I don't know. But I'll pray with you and we'll see what God shows us. Since I'm in the movie factory today, the movie Rudy, remember when Rudy, Rudy was trying to get a college, uh, get into the University of Notre Dame and he prayed and he, and he studied and he did everything he knew to do and he, and he came to the Catholic priest and he said, I, is there anything else I can do? I've done all I know to do and God hasn't answered my prayers and, and I need an answer from you. What do you have to say to me? And the priest said, well, He said, I only know two things. There is a God, and I'm not him. Here's your pastor. There is a God, I'm not him. But in my defense, I have been given a mantle, I have been given a calling. It is a position, it's not a person. And God should be able to speak to us. And the most frustrating thing as a pastor is to see people headed for the rocks. Either through your wisdom or through your revelation or just through your years of experience, you can see it before it happens. And you go, oh no, stop. You're headed for the rocks. Don't go that way. How does he know where I'm going? Oh, here we are in the movies again. Planes, trains, and automobiles. You're going the wrong way. How does he know where we're going? (laughs) Listen to your pastor today. You're going the wrong way. And it's so frustrating to see dead people on the highway of life when it didn't have to happen. Blessed are your eyes, Jesus said, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. They wanted to see a miracle at the wedding. What did Mary say was the prerequisite? Whatever he tells you to do. Do it. Do it. I'm gonna conclude with this today. Isaiah 41. Boy, you better circle this one. This is another good one from Isaiah. I gave you a good one the other week. Here it is. This is what the Lord showed me. Isaiah 41, this is the power of encouragement. We are to encourage one another. Okay, while you're turning there, I'm going to say it. When I was a young pastor and we were a home missions church, there was an elderly couple that moved into our area from a large church. I thought this was a good idea. I thought we could use some seasoned saints. But when I'd get done preaching and I just didn't have anything left in me, I remember one night I sat in the chair and I just observed what was going to happen next. And I noticed that this elderly couple would go to every new convert and spend a few minutes with them after service. When they walked up to them, they were usually smiling, but when that elderly couple left them, they were usually frowning. I just, just observation, not revelation, observation. And it bothered me. And, and, and they were just bouncing from one to another to another throughout the whole church. And finally I said, I gotta do something about that. I can't just stand by and let that happen. So I went to the last one and I said, sir, I would normally never do this. But it appeared to me that the couple that just left you left you with discouragement. What did they say? And he said, well, they just came and said, if you're really a Christian, and they went down the list and told me all the things that they thought I was doing wrong. So I went to the couple and I said, I'd, like to meet you at my house tonight after service, it was a Wednesday night my wife and I will have a little snack with you and I said, it appears to me that you're discouraging some people in our congregation well I'm just trying to help you you're young and you're inexperienced and we're older and we can help you get these people in line I said, that isn't what God called you to do. You're not part of the five-fold ministry. You're not a part of the perfecting of the saints. Well, that's why we're here. And then I said, well, then maybe that's why you need to go. Quench not the spirit. Obviously, these new converts are quenching your spirit, so you need to go back where you came from. It's one of the few times I had to do that. When people... When you leave people's presence, are they smiling or frowning? Are they glad that you had a word of encouragement, a word fitly spoken that encouraged them, that lifted them up? Maybe with the next time you walk away from somebody and get about 10 feet away, you ought to turn around and look and see how they look now. And if they're smiling at a boy. You did a good job. Recognize the power of encouragement. Here's the last verse, Isaiah 41 verse six. They helped everyone, his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, "Be of good." Courage. What's happening here? We're encouraging one another. We're helping one another. Brother Larson, thanks for your help on all those moving crews. Us old guys are still got it in us, don't we? Help. Well, that's not my ministry. I'm a teacher. I'm a preacher. Your ministry is encouragement. Your ministry is whatever's needed at that moment. Encouragement. Now here it is, here it is. I'm setting you up. Jesus turns us into diamonds, right? He polishes us and turns us into diamonds. Another thing tells us is that he's a goldsmith. He said, your trials are like precious gold, refined in the fire. He's a refiner of gold. Can I get an amen? And yet, when they asked about his parents, they said he was the son of a carpenter. Right? Son of a carpenter. Watch this seventh verse. The carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. And he that smootheth with the hammer, him that smote the anvil, saying, it's ready for soldering. So he fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. Let me give you my interpretation. The carpenter and the goldsmith team up on the same project. They work together. They get what is being produced to the place that they want it, and it might require some hammering. It might require some fire. But then finally, the last thing that happens is the carpenter nails it To its place, its place, where it belongs, so that it will not be moved. Is anybody preaching with me? That's not where I want it. Well, that's where it belongs. That's what it was created for. That's what it was shaped and refined for. Put it where it belongs and nail it in its place. Everybody's got to know their place in the body. The carpenter and the goldsmith are working on our lives the anvil nobody wants the anvil or the hammer nobody wants the fire but it's all part of the process for what god is making of your life the clay doesn't say to the potter make me this the clay says make me anything you want me to be use me for whatever service you have in mind i don't like your wheel I don't like your tool that cuts at me, but you know what's best for me. And when you're finished with me, I will be able to glorify you and bless others and encourage them in the same process. That's it, folks. I'm done. Let's stand together. so let me be an encourager. Now I want you to visualize the word courage one last time. And I want to give it a prefix and I want to give it a suffix before I dismiss you today. The purpose of this message, the prefix is E-N, and I pronounce it as in, not N. And the suffix is meant, I meant every word I said. So leave here with encourage, because that's what I meant to do. Jesus, I pray at this altar today, people will come and be encouraged